Good evening, and welcome back once again to Brush Up Your Shakespeare, where we make Shakespeare fun and interesting. We are into episode eight now, and in the play Hamlet, we are in act two, scene two. The line for today is, brevity is the soul of wit. Say it with me now. Brevity is the soul of wit. One more time for good luck. Brevity is the soul of wit. As we enter into act two, scene two, Hamlet has a big problem on his hands. He has just learned that his father, the king of Denmark, whom everyone thought died in his orchard by being bitten by a snake, was actually murdered by the king's brother, Claudius. Worse than that, Claudius then became king himself. Worse than that, Claudius married Hamlet's mother, the queen, and all within two months' time. Now, the big problem that Hamlet has is not acting in such a way that Claudius might suspect he knows. As a general principle, if you murder someone, even if you think you got away with it, you will constantly be worried somebody will find out. And if Claudius sees Hamlet acting strangely, that would likely be his first suspicion, that Hamlet knows. But Hamlet has to do something. He is stuck in Denmark, where he will come into constant contact with his uncle, the new king. Which raises the question, how do you act normal around a guy who killed your dad? For some reason, Hamlet thinks pretending he is mad will do the trick. It is as if Hamlet knows he will not be able to act normally around the king, his uncle. And so he will pretend to be mad to excuse his abnormal conduct. But Hamlet just got a stroke of luck. Ophelia, his girlfriend, cut off all communication with him at the direction of her father, Polonius. And in the last scene, act two, scene one, Polonius is convinced that the reason Hamlet is acting oddly, and everybody can see it by now, is because of his love for Ophelia, not because the king is a killer. What could be a better smokescreen while Hamlet works out his plan for revenge? That's why I call it a stroke of luck. Not that Hamlet isn't brokenhearted over his sudden rejection by Ophelia, he no doubt is, but the king won't have him executed for having a broken heart. Whereas the king just might have him executed if the king suspects Hamlet is on to him. And in fact, that's what he does later in the play. He tries to have him executed. We'll get to that then. Polonius, at the end of the last scene, exits to tell the king that he has figured out that Hamlet's odd behavior is due to unrequited love. And we pick up with Hamlet, Act 2, Scene 2, where we will be introduced to the last two important characters in the play, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. This scene is very long. So we will do the first half of this scene today and the rest of the scene in the next episode. In fact, this scene is so long that Act 2 has only two scenes in it. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are two old chums of Hamlet, and the king has sent for them to spy on Hamlet and figure out why he is acting so strangely. And here's what the king says to them. Welcome, dear Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Moreover, or in addition to the fact that we much did long to see you, the need we have to use you did provoke our hasty sending. Something have you heard of Hamlet's transformation? 
so call it. I mean, it's a nicer word than saying he's mad. Sith, nor the exterior, nor the inward man resembles that it was. Sith means since, and he says Sith, nor the exterior, nor. We would say neither nor. They can say nor and then nor. They can use two nors. So what he's saying is, since neither the exterior nor the inward man of Hamlet resembles that it was, and that is frequently used as we would use what, resembles what it was. But here it is, resembles that it was. What it should be, he goes on, more than his father's death, that thus hath put him so much from the understanding of himself, I cannot dream of. I entreat you both, that being of so young days brought up with him, and Sith, since, remember, and Sith so neighbored to his youth and havior, and havior is just an abbreviated form of behavior, and Sith so neighbored to his youth and behavior, or havior, that you vouchsafe your rest here in our court some little time, so by your companies to draw him, Hamlet, to draw him on to pleasures, and to gather so much as from occasion you may glean. Whether aught to us unknown afflicts him thus, that opened lies within our remedy. So we've got a situation here where the king is going to ask Rosencrantz and Guildenstern to spy on Hamlet, kind of like we just saw Polonius using his man to go to France to spy on his son Laertes. It's sort of a similar kind of thing going on. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern now Guildenstern now exit the stage to be taken to Hamlet so they can start with their project. And Polonius enters the scene with his news. Let's see what his news is. He says, and I do think, or else this brain of mine hunts not the trail of policy so sure as it hath used to do, that I have found the very cause of Hamlet's lunacy. The king says, he tells me, my dear Gertrude, he hath found the head and source of all your son's distemper. And the queen says, I doubt it is no other but the main, the main reason, his father's death and our or hasty marriage. I have not mentioned yet the name of Hamlet's mother, the queen, mainly because I have been trying not to overwhelm you with names all at once. But here it is right here in the play. Her name is Gertrude. Now Polonius goes on. This is where our quote for the day comes from. Polonius says, Therefore, since brevity is the soul of wit and tediousness, the limbs and outward flourishes, I will be brief. Your noble son is mad. Mad call I it. For to define true madness, what is it but to be nothing else but mad? But let that go. Now, you're not supposed to be looking at this as Shakespeare trying to be poetic and deep. What he's doing is he's making Polonius look like a guy who is very, very full of the words he knows and how he can speak, but who's actually kind of vacuous and sort of dumb. It's, it's ironic that Polonius is the king's counselor because he's really not that smart and he's sort of a, a bumbler. And the queen says to him, more matter with less art. That's another famous quote from Hamlet, more matter with less art. In other words, would you get to the point instead of using all these artistic flourishes that aren't really conveying any information to me, Polonius. And Polonius says, Madam, I swear I knew I used no art at all. 
Once again, that's our line for today here in this. Brevity is the soul of wit. Let's say it together. Brevity is the soul of wit. And one more time. Brevity is the soul of wit. Once more, we find Polonius advancing principles which he himself does not follow. For no one in the entire play could be less brief than Polonius. And Queen Gertrude calls him on it. More matter with less art. Polonius proceeds to relate that Hamlet's madness is caused by his love for Ophelia, or so Polonius thinks, whom Polonius commanded to have nothing to do with him. Polonius then suggests that he and the king hide behind an heiress, A-R-R, excuse me, A-R-R-A-S, which is a tapestry. An heiress is a tapestry that's hung on the wall in a castle, trying to keep things a little warmer than they would be if it was just bare stone. And they're going to hide behind this uh, heiress, this tapestry, so they can observe Hamlet interact with Ophelia to see if Polonius is right. And the king agrees. Now, this will not happen until Act 3, but they're setting the stage for it now. Hamlet now enters the scene, and he's reading a book. Polonius engages Hamlet in conversation, and Hamlet gives very strange replies. Obviously, Hamlet is acting as if he is mad. So let's go put this back up on the screen, and we'll go to what Polonius says to Hamlet. Polonius says, what do you read, my lord? And Hamlet says, words, words, words because it's a book and that's what he's reading. He's reading words. Polonius says, no, no. What is the matter, my Lord? So Polonius is saying, I'm not asking you if you're reading words. I'm asking you, what is the matter? What is the reading matter? The subject matter that you're reading? What is the matter, my Lord? And Hamlet takes it the other way, right? And he says, between who? What's the matter between two people? And Polonius says, I mean the matter that you read, my Lord. So although Hamlet's words are strange, there is a certain sense to them that Polonius notes, and he says, though this be madness, yet there is method int, which is an abbreviation of in it. Though this be madness, yet there is method in it. Another very famous line from Hamlet. And then Polonius exits. Now enter Rosencrantz and Guildenstern to greet Hamlet and see if they can figure out what is going on with him. Now Hamlet, to his credit, he may have been born at night, but it wasn't last night. And he quickly figures out why both of them are there and who sent for them. Hamlet says, what have you, my good friends, deserved at the hands of fortune that she sends you to prison hither? He's referring to Denmark as a prison. Guildenstern says, prison, my lord? Hamlet says, Denmark's a prison. Rosencrantz says, we think not so, my lord. Hamlet says, why then, tis none to you. Well, it's not a prison to you then, if you don't think so. For there is nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. Another great quote. There is nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. And Hamlet says, to me, it is a prison. And Rosencrantz tries to turn this into something nice and says, why then, your ambition makes it one. Tis too narrow for your mind. You have too great a mind and too ambitious a nature. Both of them compliments. So Denmark seems like a prison to you. And Hamlet says, Oh God, I could be bounded in a nutshell and count myself a king of infinite space were it not that I have bad dreams. Another great line. So Hamlet then cross-examines Rosencrantz and Guildenstern and gets them to admit that they were sent for by the king and queen. 
He then tells them why they were sent for so they don't have to break the confidence themselves. Hamlet tells them that they were sent for to find out why he is acting so strangely and goes on to give perhaps the most beautiful description of clinical depression ever written. Hamlet says, I will tell you why. So shall my anticipation prevent your discovery. In other words, so shall the fact I'm going to tell you why it is you're here, because I already know. You don't have to tell me. I'll just tell you why, and you can tell me I'm right. And therefore, since I'm anticipating why it is that you're here, and I'm anticipating your answer, it will prevent your discovery and your secrecy to the king and queen molt no feather. So you, you were brought here by the king and queen to secretly spy on me. I figured out the secret, but you don't have to tell me. So your relationship of secrecy with the king and queen remains untarnished. Or if it were a beautiful bird, it wouldn't lose a feather. It would molt no feather. Then he goes on in a very famous passage. I have of late, but wherefore I know not. By the way, this is his excuse for his madness that he's going to give to them so they can take it to the king and queen. I have of late, but where have I know not, lost all my mirth, foregone all custom of exercises. And indeed, it goes so heavily with my disposition that this goodly frame, the earth, seems to me a sterile promontory. This most excellent canopy, the air, look you, this brave o'erhanging firmament, this majestical roof fretted with golden fire. Why? It appeareth nothing to me but a foul and pestilent congregation of vapors. So nature in all its glory looks to him like nothing but a swamp. Not even a swamp, just a congregation of vapors. That's how depressed he is and how he's relating himself to Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Hamlet immediately launches thereafter into one of the most off-quoted speeches in all of Shakespeare. And this picks up right after what we just quoted. We just quoted, why it appeareth nothing to me but a foul and pestilent congregation of vapors. He goes on to say, what a piece of work is a man. How noble in reason, how infinite in faculties, in form and moving, how express and admirable. In action, how like an angel. In apprehension, how like a god. The beauty of the world, the paragon of animals. And yet, to me, what is this quintessence of dust? So all of nature appears like a foul and pestilent congregation of vapors, and even the pinnacle of nature, the creation of man came on the sixth day of creation after everything else had been created. He's the pinnacle of creation. Even mankind to Hamlet is a quintessence, the ultimate form of dust. It's dust. That's all it is. Dust in the wind. At this point, a traveling group of actors, also called players, arrives at the castle and Hamlet goes to meet them. We call people who act on the stage actors in Hamlet's time, or I should say in Shakespeare's time, they call them players. And that's why it's a play, right? So they are the players in the play. We think of actors who act. They thought of players who were in plays. So they're called players in the play. And here, we must leave this episode with this traveling group of actors arriving at the castle and Hamlet going to meet them. But we will join Hamlet and the players next time for the second half of Act 2, Scene 2. It turns out 
Hamlet has concerns as to whether the ghost has told him the truth about his uncle and that his uncle murdered his father. And Hamlet has come up with a cunning plan to see if Claudius really did murder his father. Taking vengeance by killing the king is a risky proposition, and Hamlet wants to be sure Claudius is guilty before proceeding. But before we go, let's say today's line from Shakespeare. Brevity, do you remember it? Brevity is the soul of wit. Again, brevity is the soul of wit. And third time pays for all, brevity is the soul of wit. Well, that's about all for tonight. Please remember to hit the like button. Please hit the subscribe button. Please leave a comment below and let us know how you feel about the episode and any thoughts that you might have. And please share this episode with family and friends. Until next time, this is Brush Up Your Shakespeare, signing off the air. Good night, everybody. Thanks for joining me.